0: When it comes to the high-end luxury market, well, me and Lance, we know the difference between the Channels and the Versaces. However, tonight's guest, Tammy Fan, does. Tammy is the owner of Luxe du Jour, a Canadian high-end luxury consignment company specializing in handbags, but with other offerings, including accessories and shoes. The company was founded in 2016 and has since expanded into multiple cities and also multiple services, including their Luxe bag spa. Tammy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: Shut up and sit down.
1: This is off the walk.
0: So, first things first, actually, what first drew me to you was just the name of the company i just actually want to know how did you come up with the name luxe du jour actually
1: yeah i can't come up i can't take the credit for that it was actually my best friend who has the creative mind when it comes to names um luxe du jour is actually french for luxury of the day so she came up with that we actually co-founded it together in the beginning but she pursued um another business venture really early on um so yeah we're we're not together in it anymore but we kind of still we're still best friends.
2: okay gotcha gotcha so I guess uh how did you like I guess tell uh, give us more of the backstory about your business how'd you come up with it um and kind of how'd you get it all started
1: so how we came up with it was this is when like Instagram was really peaking. Um, we wanted to. We had a huge collection of designer bags um, at a, a fairly young age, um, between me and my best friend, and then our our girlfriends as well. And we wanted a place to sell them. And at the time, eBay was of course very popular. We we tried eBay. It was impossible to sell. It's you're dealing with scammers, fraudulent payments, um, you know, chargebacks and, and stuff like that. And it's very hard to sell a very luxury item on eBay. Um, so we, we couldn't take that route. And then we try to look at other avenues like kajiji at the time, impossible as well. You're deal you list a bag for five thousand you're getting low for a thousand dollars. You know, I'm sure you guys have been through it. Um it still happens now. It's not we don't mm-hmm. recommend those platforms for high end luxury. And then We were kind of looking at like local consignments on where we could sell our designer bags. And to believe it or not, these consignments took. Up to forty to fifty percent commission, um, if they sell your item. So imagine cool. like selling a five thousand dollar bag and losing twenty five hundred just off the bat when they sell it. So that did not sit right with us. So we decided to just open an account on Instagram. It's free. Um, we we are on social media. we we were on Instagram, so why not just create an Instagram account when um, this was kind of like the up and coming trend at this time? Cause back in 2016 it's Instagram wasn't what it wa- um, was like it is mm-hmm. today. Right. Um, so we just started posting some of our collection and believe it or not, like we ended up building up a community. So, Back in the day, in 2016, Instagram wasn't known for a selling platform. It was a lifestyle platform. It was to share your photos, share your lifestyle, share, you know, your friends and family and things like that, right? Um, mm-hmm. But because we took a very different approach and we're like, let's just list these bags and we had a selling format, right? It really worked in our advantage because now Instagram is a full-on selling platform. They, they promote selling. Now they have mm-hmm. that Instagram shop. So, um Starting off on Instagram is how we essentially started. And we um, just started selling there and building a community there. And when we started building this community, that's kind of what took off um, Luxe du
0: So then how does your system differ from, say, yeah, the, the Facebook marketplaces and the Kijijis and the consignment stores?
1: Well, Facebook stores. Marketplace didn't come out until after. Oh yeah, so, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so Facebook Marketplace didn't come out until after. But when you when you deal on Facebook Marketplace, so when you're thinking about buying luxury goods, you don't necessarily want to buy from a private seller because that private seller doesn't have a reputation. That private seller could take off on you anytime. That private seller um, doesn't have that authentication background. But when we build up this community, we f- solely focus on building up a reputation and, Um, you know, building a a safe community to buy and sell. And we held our reputation to that, right? So we offer a lifetime guarantee of authenticity. So if five years down the road, you decide to get your item, you know, um, sent into Chanel and it comes back non-authentic, we would guarantee that and we would give 100% money back guarantee um, as long as there's proof, right? But when you buy from a private seller on Facebook Marketplace or Kijiji, if five years down the road, you try to sell it and you find out it's fake, it's not like you're getting your money back you're essentially scammed at that point right and mm-hmm. this was the the huge value add as being a trusted platform and a trusted consignment and that's that's what really worked to our advantage
2: mm-hmm. i definitely have had uh experience with what you're talking about like through kijiji people haggling you you know you could be putting an item on there for like 20 bucks or something and they're still trying to lowball $5. you yeah. yeah it's like what come on like come on guys yeah um but I definitely yeah, can uh, relate to that and um, uh, I guess you're talking about like building that community because even at Facebook uh, marketplace, a lot of scams have been happening mm-hmm. uh, on these platforms, right because it's it's hard to verify and I don't I don't really like I haven't really bought a whole bunch of stuff, but is there like a rating on Facebook now or there's no rating for sellers?
1: Um, they're not that I know of, I don't use Facebook marketplace a lot, but, um, I know like Poshmark has ratings and things like that. eBay has ratings, right? Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. the thing is like when people build up those ratings, they could have built up those ratings from selling the cheap other things. And then that's Mm -hmm, how they scam. They get all those ratings from selling their, let's say, um, toothpaste. Um, of course you're going to get a a good rating for that because you sold what you said you are going to sell, but then when they build up that. Um, that rating they mm-hmm. can just sell a 5000 or 10000 a bag and just take off on that after that right true, um true. and and it comes back to that reputation again because those eBay sellers can disappear right they are just private mm-hmm. sellers whereas a company they're they're in it for the long run right would you rather mm-hmm. buy a a rolex watch from like chrono 24 or do you want to buy a rolex watch from the guy on Kijiji saying meet me in the back alley right (laughs)
2: um
1: we're talking about luxury goods so (laughs) it's really important to um um get get it from a reputable source and that's where we come in
2: yeah for sure and like talk us through uh like how you built that that rep you know that reputation because you've obviously walked us through your your office there. So, like, talk us how how did you build that reputation up?
1: Yeah, so how we started building up that reputation is offering whatever was convenient to the client. If the client says, "Can I Facetime you?" because I don't believe that. This bag is, um, is with you. Or, um, can I get it authenticated? Absolutely, right. You were essentially catering to your clients of whatever they need to really build that and establish that reputation. Um, and we we offered that. We were essentially slaves to our clients. And and of course, we still cater cater to our clients and we still listen to our clients. But that was an essential step to really building up that reputation. And then of course, asking for the business. And then of course. Um, what I remember when we started off in like 2016, we sold a Birkin bag for $16,000. Um, it was from my personal collection. And, um, in order to secure that deal, I had to, I had to accept PayPal invoice. Mm. And that was something new I had to learn at the time because Mm -hmm. PayPal wasn't as popular as -hmm. it is today. Mm -hmm. And PayPal invoice protects mainly a lot of the time, the buyers it's, It's favorable to the buyer but it was a risk that i was willing to take as a seller Mm -hmm. to build up my reputation so if this buyer was bad news and decided to dispute after after receiving the birkin i could essentially possibly be out like i could have been scammed there but Mm -hmm. i took that risk to build up that reputation i accepted the paypal invoice and this is something that sellers should do if you're a reputable seller Take that risk for your clients right until you build up that reputation and then you can decide whether you still want to accept that payment or not nowadays clients bank wire us e-transfer us they they don't even require like um secured methods of payment which is great but that that came from all the years of um catering to our clients and appeasing them to what what made them feel safe to purchase a luxury item and Ever since then, it's like asking for those reviews. People don't know how much reviews can mean to a business. If people are buying a five thousand dollars bag from you, and you can bet that they're going to Google your business or Google reviews or try to get a reference check. Not everyone is going to swipe their credit card for ten thousand dollars or five thousand dollars. So I knew right off the bat that I had to get these reviews because we were selling high end, high end goods. We were not selling twenty dollar shoes or twenty dollar t shirts. Right, whereas reviews may not be as important but is could still make or break your business so we were we were constantly asking clients to get to um, submit our reviews and now you'll kind of see that we almost have over a thousand five star reviews um, of course it is hard to get reviews but if you don't ask for the business you won't you won't get it
0: that makes sense. Yeah, like heck, even for twenty dollar things, I look at the reviews for it when I'm on yeah. Amazon. Oh, it's twenty bucks. Let me just scroll down to the reviews. Yeah, oh, it was like two, exactly. three thousand reviews. Let me let me take a look at that. But like circling back to the when you're talking about the scamming thing, that that totally makes sense. Like even myself, if I do try to find like luxury items, I mean, I'll go on Kijiji and stuff, but I just don't trust myself in buying whatever it is because mm-hmm. I myself don't know if it's real or fake. Like, say if I wanted to get something for, I don't know, a significant other or something, and I go on Kijiji, I buy the whatever bag or something, give it to, you know, my partner or whatever, and then the partner is all of a sudden like, oh, this is a fake. Yeah, and all of a sudden, that would that person so who embarrassing. Sold to you, yeah. yeah, embarrassing. And then that person who sold it to you, right when you sell it, they delete the posting, delete all yeah. contact, they're, they're gone. gone. You can't find yeah. them forever. So yeah. it's definitely good to be able to go to someone like a company like Luxe du Joule, where it's reputable and you mm-hmm. have the authentication right there to, to, to back it up. Right. Mm-hmm. So what happens when people come to you with bags that you find are out fake. are,
1: Oh, yeah. we have many, many times. And you know, what's funny is that uh, we've had countless occasions where girls come and says, Oh, my boyfriend bought me all these. And I just want to sell that. We broke up. And then it's so It puts us in such an awkward position that our product specialist has to go to them and say, unfortunately, these are all counterfeit. And the girls just looking at us like, no, my, my boyfriend would never buy me counterfeit. Well, you know, we I don't know how else to tell you, but we authenticated it and they're all counterfeit um so it's happened and then there are situations where um people get passed down bags from their grandmothers or gifted by their moms or or um relatives and they find out that it's counterfeit right and how we handle that is we do charge a very hefty fee because it is actually illegal to sell counterfeits of course some people genuinely don't know if they are um if they have a counterfeit or not but Hmm. some people do know that they're they have a counterfeit and actually intentionally try to sell that through us. And the reason why we input a hefty fee in place is because essentially what we don't want is we don't want the counterfeit circulating. If you were a genuine person that, ha- acts, you know, accidentally got this counterfeit, it's essentially worthless, right? Why would you want it back, right? It's We don't want that circulated because there's a very shady Um, industry when it comes to the counterfeit industry, right? It's very corrupt. Um, You know, just a lot of bad things happen in the um, counterfeit industry that we, of course, do not support. Um, It's unethical as well. So for us to um, put in place a hefty fee, if you want that counterfeit bag back, um, it actually deters a lot of people from selling counterfeits to us intentionally. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, what we tell them is that we tell them, here are our findings. Here's the proof that it is counterfeit because we also have, um, an authentication device. So we have a multi-step authentication process, three-step, and it goes through human factors. So a lead authenticator that can actually visually see, feel, and, um, smell the bag, which, um, technology cannot. And then it goes through our AI technology, which is entropy and entropy is specifically designed to scan leather bags at a microscopic level using AI technology that has scanned hundreds of millions of authentic bags, so it will be able to tell you if this bag is um, authentic and it has a ninety-nine point nine percent accuracy, um, right? And and then we go through our third source, which is if we have to run serial numbers. So a lot of people don't know this, but certain brands like Chanel, Cartier, Van Cleef, and Apple's, um, they have serial numbers that are essentially almost like uh, Cars Vin. So if you have access, and this was kind of a connection that we had to develop over the years and um, invest in, but it's is to get that connection on how to run serial numbers to ensure that this item is registered in the database of that brand to ensure this was not a stolen good this was not a um this was this was an actual registered item because sometimes there are super fakes that are a really great fakes but once you enter the serial number that serial number does not even belong to the, that bag and then that right away you know it's counterfeit yeah, so that's kind of our authentication process and what we do when we do get those fakes. And, and we do get a lot of them. Sometimes you'll see videos of us actually destroying fakes on our social media, what? cutting up that's fakes, awesome. running over fakes. Yeah, because some clients don't want them back. And what we yeah. do with that fake is we actually just educate our clients. So when people subscribe to our newsletters or watch us on social media and follow, follow us on social media is they get to see um, tips and tricks on how to spot this fake. Um, we don't give out all the secrets because we don't want scammers that are following us Mm -hmm. taking all these tips and trying to, okay, they, they caught to that. Let's perfect this. Mm -hmm. Um, that's why we don't give away all the authentication tips, but of course we do give some.
2: Right. That's, that's, uh, that's very interesting. So I guess, uh, that girl probably dumped her boyfriend because, you know, (laughs)
1: I don't I don't get we don't get involved in that. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a very awkward conversations, very awkward moment. Right. Um, but yeah, no, we, always, sure. we always we um, always encourage our clients to get their bags authenticated. Because if you guys have heard of the huge scandal that happened, where even if you buy a bag from in store,
2: mm-hmm. it could
1: still be fake. Really? Yes, because what happens is there was this huge scandal that someone was buying a bag from, let's say, um, Chanel or Holt Renfrew. And then they would buy the the exact replica of that bag, but go return that bag, the counterfeit bag. And you have to remember that these associates are not authenticators. These Mm -hmm. associates that are taking these returns, they're not authenticating the bag right? Uh-huh, they don't know. Uh-huh. When when they hire a sales associate, they don't hire them to authenticate. When you give your bag back, all they're checking for is the condition right. to make sure it's still brand new. And uh, if the receipt matches the the model, they're like, oh, okay, this this is must be the bag because she mm-hmm. bought it from us, right? Mm-hmm. This, there was a huge scandal like this. So It's really important to us that that's why even when people sell their bags with receipt to us, we never look at the receipt and clients should never look at the receipt as a determining factor of if the bag is authentic, because I know a lot of people go on Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace and try to buy Chanel. It's a full set, including receipt, everything included with receipt. But I'm telling you, counterfeits come with fake receipts or counterfeits come with real receipts, but it was a counterfeit bag. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's a really huge scandal that happened and it's just for people to be aware of, right? It's that, it's not so amazing. yeah, it's it's not to scare people, but of course be ca- cautious of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, a very, I'm a little scared right now. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Have you bought a lot of fake bags, Eric? Or what's going on?
1: <laughs> no. He buys from stores and now he's just like, oh no, new fear unlocked. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: what if I go into yeah. a store and I'm like, you know, buying something that I think is real with the receipts, mm-hmm. the authentication, all that, and it's all actually just fake or something. And then, and then I, later on, I go to Luxe Jour and they're like, it's fake. That's and I'm fake. like, how is this even possible? You know, yeah. like I physically myself walked out of it from a store and you're telling mm-hmm. me it's fake, but this is something that I did not see coming, but
1: Mm-hmm. I guess it's there's uh, well there's literally well rec- fake um there's literally receipt generators so I, d- I don't know if I want to say too much because imagine if this falls into the wrong hands of someone but there you can google how to make a fake Louis Vuitton receipt and you enter all the details and it it almost looks identical so I would never encourage anyone to base their t- authenticity, determination off a receipt. Receipts don't mean anything. When we authenticate here, we don't even look at the receipt. We don't care about the receipt. So when people are like always um, inquiring about a bag and they're like, oh, does it come with receipt? Don't be so quick to judge if the item comes with a receipt because receipt does not mean it's authentic. We have seen counterfeits come in with receipts. That's how scammers, that's how advanced scammers are now. They know you'll buy it with receipts right mm-hmm. it's don't don't believe the receipt because i can go buy an exact duplicate of a fake and i could really go buy the real thing but i'll go buy 10 of these fakes or whatever and then i can go attach that authentic receipt to that counterfeit
2: yeah that's right. crazy that is yeah. so crazy i mean we've seen oh, it crazy. all yeah i mean I, it it just feels like as a consumer you almost like get a double whammy like you say you go to hold you buy something and then you know, they they somehow now do, you know, some check-in. They're like, no, well, this is fake. And it's like, no, well, I bought this from your store. And, you know, they're like, no, this is fake. And you're like, whoa, I'm, like, you know, you, now you're stuck with this fake and you legitimately bought it from a legit store. You know, it's, wow. Yeah. Crazy. I
1: know. And I don't know how the brands and the retailers are, you know, improving this or trying to fix this, but... However it is, I hope it is resolved. And that's why like we we wanna be that safe platform, right? When you yeah. go into when you go in the store, imagine if you purchase three years later and you and you find out it was fake. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not like they will be like, No, well we didn't we didn't sell you that or there are that is that brand going to really take it back? No. But with our items. We do. We offer a lifetime guarantee. We know exactly which clients buying what. We have the serial. We have all that record. Um, mm-hmm. We have never had to um, use our authenticity guarantee. So, which is great. Knock on wood mm-hmm. that we don't Amazing. ever have yeah. to. Right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah. That's that's awesome. Because I mean, I lived in China for two years, and of course, we all know China mm-hmm. makes some pretty darn good knockoffs, yes. uh, <laughs> and they like can look feel pretty legit like obviously i'm not a pro at any of this but looking at some of the stuff i'm like oh this like looks legit you know so i definitely think people uh well in canada there's probably a little bit less of that happening because they probably have to you know somehow ship it all the way over here but i'm sure it happens here in in canada Mm -hmm. for sure so that's great that you have your kind of your own uh process to uh, authenticate those those items so yeah Yeah. go ahead Eric
0: oh no I was actually just gonna kind of like you were mentioning platforms there and so you had started on the Instagram platform first and you were posting on there and then I guess at that point people started following you and (laughs) seeing it and Mm -hmm. you start to get it's basically your business grew by word of mouth, correct? Pretty much. Yeah. And And organically
1: through social Mm -hmm. media, our presence on social media was what built our community. And we didn't have a website for probably four years. We were building this community that everyone had to purchase through talking Mm -hmm. to us or direct messaging us. And that's essentially what we wanted because we wanted to build that relationship with our clientele. We were not just a, a checkout and then be done with it, right? Or go mm-hmm. talk. If you want to talk to customer service, wait 20, 48 hours for a reply. You have to send it via email, right? That is That was not kind of the business model we were going for. We were going for more of a um, community and relationship. So everyone who had a purchase. They had to talk to a real person within five seconds or five minutes to get that Mm. order through. And we would manually process all the payments for four years until, of course, now it's too much for us to handle. We cannot do Mm. manual payments anymore. So then we had to go to a website, but we shifted. We still kept that community and we still Mm. keep that community on Instagram. But, of course, anyone who wants to buy now, they can... Um, go check out on our website, but they still have that factor of if they need to talk to a specialist or a VIP um, product specialist, they can get an, a response within five seconds, which yeah. is something that our clients love because what store other than Amazon, can you get a response within like five seconds? That's not robotic, right? Yeah,
2: absolutely. That's tough. I mean, it definitely there's a lot of places you're stuck on hold forever. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Or <laughs> email, you things. have to
1: email them. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, so I guess spinning things uh, a little bit around, um, I had a question about what, what was your, uh, what did your friends and your family think when you first started the business? Were they super supportive or were they like, what are you doing, Tammy? Like this is, this is, you know, beyond you.
1: Mm -hmm. So I was a mortgage specialist at the time, um, which, um, I was doing this on the side, right? Because I was just selling my personal stuff. Did I think this was ever going to turn into a business? Absolutely not. And that's why I think my best friend ventured off to her other business. She has another business. um, And it's because we were just doing this as a sidekick to sell off our own personal collection. Um, That's essentially what it is. We were bag addicts um, and we love to collect (laughs) bags, and we knew that we eventually have to sell. Our bags and get buy new bags and things like that. So we <laughs> did not even think this was going to turn into what it is today. Um, but initially, starting off, my parents were. Um, I'm a black sheep of the family, so I was expected to be, of course, an engineer like the rest of my cousins, um, or a pharmacist like my my cousins are doctors, uh, chemical engineers, um, pharmacists, really um, high paid. You know, degree. Yeah, (laughs) like your typical Asian
2: parent wanting (laughs) you to be. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Whereas me is, I was a black sheep because I was the only cousin in our whole family that never graduated high school, and this kind of set me um, back with a relationship with my parents because my our parents like to compare a lot. Right? Oh, oh, look at your cousin. XYZ. She's going to be an engineer. She got scholarships of $50,000. What scholarships did you get? Um, oh, see, you should have went to school because then you could have gone to Greece for um, two weeks on, for a school trip or things like that, right? So my parents was not supportive of the route I took. Um, and But me being in banking is what made them kind of um, okay with it right? It was, Mm -hmm. I wasn't, as long as I was not doing anything, you know, that would disgrace them, but Mm -hmm. banking, Mm -hmm. banking was okay for them. They, they were okay with banking. And because I maintained that job while trying to build up this business, um, they didn't really have a say because I still maintained a nine to five job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, So, would I say they were supportive of my business? No, because when I do tell them, when I did tell them that what I'm doing on the side and things like that is they wanted me to focus on banking, right? Just Mm -hmm. climb the corporate ladder. If you're not going to go back to school, just climb the corporate ladder, right? At, Right. um, At the bank. And of course, me being the rebel. (laughs) <laughs> um, do <laughs> <is>, um, no. <laughs> so I pursued Lux even further. Um, everything I had to learn was through YouTube and Google and things like that. Cause I didn't have that education background. I didn't go into post-secondary for business, post-secondary for marketing or things like that. Right. Um, whereas my friends, um, yes, we, they, they were supportive, but, um, none of us had business at the time right so Mm -hmm. what we were thinking or what we were doing it's um kind of it doesn't doesn't resonate with anyone so Mm -hmm. did they think anything might have turned out of um out of it no because we weren't that we were so young at this time i think i was 20 at this time Okay? okay yeah i was 20 at this time so imagine you telling your 20 year old friends about this business. Like I don't think anyone, any of us even took it seriously, um, mm. except um, eventually my motivation came through and I kind of work um, in silence. So it's it's pretty much like I worked in silence for almost two, three years that I didn't even let anyone know I was I owned this company because mm-hmm. I knew a lot of people were hoping I failed. Um, including of Mm -hmm. course, my parents, right. My Mm -hmm. parents told me every day that don't do that. You're don't be ridiculous. That's not you. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. that's not, none of us, no one in our family are entrepreneurs, right. No one in our family has ever done that. So for, Mm -hmm. so there was, I had to work in silence because I didn't actually get that support. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, no. But look at you now, you are like Mm -hmm. doing phenomenal and, That's, I think that, you know, speaks volume now, right? So. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh,
0: At what point actually did you go from having it as a side gig to becoming, for it to become a real time, full time business and then you decide that this is it, now I'm quitting. Like my
1: Within a year. So eight months, um, six to eight months, I was profitable. Um, So people started sending their bags in. Yeah, because of my consistency on the Instagram. And I think my best friend kind of left um, Luxe du Jour at four months or, or five months um, mm. when she pursued her other business because, of course, it wasn't going anywhere. But I think something that also motivated me is when I lost my best friend as my business partner, right? Mm. So I, um, of course, I was sad that she went to go pursue another business, um, but I didn't want to, you know, um, I didn't want to let Luxor go. So yeah. I carried it on and I was probably working 16 hour days um, being so, so, um, so active on social media and researching and Googling all the resources I can find. Like if I needed to find out how to build followers on Instagram, I was not the one to take shortcuts. I never bought a single fake follower, or single fake like that people are doing nowadays. Um, clients have seen us from 200 followers to 5,000 followers to 10,000 followers. You know, they, some of our clients that are with us today, they're like, I have seen you guys since 2016. Like we, like we've been following you. We're huge fans. Like, oh my God, I can't believe what it is today. Right. And now they can see us on Bloomberg, um, Yahoo Finance. We're going to be featured on Forbes. Right. And um, so it's, it's a long time coming for sure. But I think what really motivated me is when I lost that, um, support from my parents and then um kind of my best friend as well, right? Even though me and my mm-hmm. best friend are still best best of friends, it's like mm-hmm. losing that, it's just like I I really felt like I was alone in that and mm-hmm. um my boyfriend at the time as well is they, they he didn't want me to work. So mm-hmm. he definitely did not support necessarily the business, but until after. Um, I I had a new boyfriend, so <laughs> um, and then that's also what changed. It's it's having the it's having the right people in your life that you you don't want to let yourself down. But then there's there's that it just takes one person that you also don't want to let down, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I I didn't want my parents to think I was a failure to them because yes, that does they they have a lot of face that they have to carry and when all the aunts and uncles are talking amongst themselves you know they're all the aunts and uncles are bragging about how successful their kids are and how smart their kids are and then of course my parents lose all that face when they have to say you know oh what about Tammy right and i didn't want to i didn't want to be that failure so it was it was knowing that i had to make my parents proud um regardless of no one supporting me it's I had no I had no other choice but to but to do make something out of myself or make something out of this company whether like I failed many many times like I went into mortgage broker um failed at that you know I I went into it for eight months okay and I then after that I pursued permanent beauty so like uh you know eyebrow um tattooing and permanent makeup wasn't good at that I failed Mm. at that too (laughs) Um, and then it was and then it was this that really um, struck me and and then now now I'm doing what I love every day and I don't even consider it, consider it work anymore. It's just yeah. Yeah. waking up doing what I what I really love right as cliche as it may sound.
2: yeah I mean that and, is so awesome yeah it's it's
0: amazing. I mean you were already a bag collector before. Mm -hmm. I mean, you already have a, you, you, you love bags already. Now your business, you're just getting all the bags coming in. It's it's a great day for you all every day to go to work, but that's amazing because you yourself were your own motivation, right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And it's super hard. Those are the real success stories because it's very easy to give up on yourself, you know, when, when everybody around you is negative or it's so easy for you to just give up, but for you to just persevere and to keep going to bring the brand to what it is today—that's mm-hmm. that's amazing. You know, yeah, something congrats. I
1: actually tell myself. Thank you. But something I tell myself is if you if you rely on someone else to give you the motivation, like sometimes people have to watch YouTube to um get motivated but if you rely on someone else to motivate you or you have to like you're holding like your best friend accountable to motivate you and like you guys are holding each other accountable you'll lose your motivation very quickly um because you have to actually find that motivation within yourself Mm -hmm. you know um and that's something that i i learned down the way um down the road it was before i was relying on you know my best friend to be motivated with me. It was, I was relying on my boyfriend at the time to motivate me. Right. Mm -hmm. But all of that is temporary motivation. But if you can find the motivation in yourself and you can find a better, bigger, better purpose for yourself and for what you want to do in life and where you want to see yourself be, um, that is the motivation that will long the test, um, last the test of time for sure. Yeah.
2: For sure I, I think you, you you know I think every entrepreneur has that right is that you fail, you fail but you never give up, you persevere, you continue to just push 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 and like you say having that self-motivation to get yourself up every day and going okay, you know what I'm gonna get you know off my feet and I'm gonna make things happen I'm gonna figure it out yeah, I don't know how to do it but like you say I you started googling stuff and I love that I love that about entrepreneurs you know is this that, kind of energy uh that just keeps you going and and look at you today right like just super successful so that is awesome so i, I guess what other uh, when you first kind of did the business there must have been some some challenges in the in the very beginning what, what were some of those challenges for you
1: yeah there definitely was i definitely lost another best friend of mine of 14 years um because of luxe du jour essentially she really um wanted to work for the company. And I knew mixing kind of friendship with business is not essentially good. It's not a good mix. Um, and it, something that happened within that relationship is what caused now that best friend. Um, I've, I've only ever had two best friends that I've known for 15 years um, and a very close cousin, um, but she's my cousin, so I can't call her my best friend. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've only had childhood friends, th- um, three major childhood friends that's been there for me through ups and downs. And she was one of them. And now we are no longer friends. We are essentially like, we had a huge fallout because of Luxe du Jour. And because mm-hmm. I did attempt to, let her work for the company. That was a huge challenge for me. It was um, recovering from PTSD. Mm. So when you go through something very traumatizing like that, um, it takes a lot to recover and rebuild that trust. It was someone that I knew and trusted and loved for 14 years that Mm -hmm. I essentially got screwed over. And Mm -hmm. um, we essentially lost $25,000. And at the time, this was a lot to me. Okay. This was not now. This was almost four years ago. This was four years ago. So four years ago to lose $25,000. Um, and, um, yeah, that was the fallout. I don't necessarily want to go into detail with it, but it was overcoming that PTSD. Right. And knowing how to handle that because I can see it affect how I treat other people now, how I treat sometimes clients and which is why I pulled myself back away from customer service. It's just because someone um, mm-hmm. screwed you over and scammed you does not mean you have to treat everyone as if they're out to get you or scam you. Right. Mm-hmm. But it, it's hard because remember, this is a traumatic experience that happened. And yeah. it it's just mentally in embedded in me and i also had to pull myself out of customer service um even though i love talking to my clients all the time right i knew some of my regulars my day one clients that i loved talking to them right um but i could i i had to pull myself away from that when i started hiring staff um that my staff could even see that my staff was just like why why does she put kind of these um ask us these questions or put these kind of p- procedures in place that um now that I look back on I'm like oh my god I I I shouldn't have done that because me not being able to trust my coworkers is is not it's not good right mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I had to learn how to how to kind of rebuild my my trust and get my PTSD out of out of my system. So that was yeah. definitely one of the obstacles. Another obstacle um, was continuously changing and adapting. Mm-hmm. With, with the little background that I had in education, social media and trends change all the time. For example, mm-hmm. TikTok or um, that's a more recent one, right? Mm-hmm. When that comes out, you have to adapt your whole you have to adapt yourself and you have mm-hmm. to learn how to change. How are you now going to incorporate videos into your business model? Because if that's all what people's watching now is just videos, you have to learn how to change and adapt that or you will be left in the dust because if okay. if you think like Blockbuster, they thought it was okay not to change and adapt because they you know Netflix wanted to buy them out they were like no, we're, we're a great brick and mortar store. We've been around for 20 years plus, mm-hmm. right? They didn't yeah. want to change. When you don't yeah. change, you get left in the dust, right? And what and that's something I knew. And I had to constantly be innovative. And that's why we launched Bag Rental, Bag Spa. In 2018, I flew to Malaysia, learned a very niche trade because I knew that this would make clients' life easier. It's, mm-hmm. Also, it increases the value of the bags for our clients, It was a win-win situation for clients and for the business. It was, so bringing Lux Bag Spa, um, now Lux is or owns own Lux Bag Spa, um, was an innovative thing we did. Back in 2018, mm-hmm. there was nothing like it. You you wouldn't mm-hmm. have even heard of a, a bag spa repair place, right? Um, and then in 2021, we recently launched Lux Bag Rental. Um, and bag rental is essentially like the Airbnb of bags. You can become mm-hmm. a renter and you can rent your designer yeah. dream bag, or you can become a lender and lend out Um, your bags and monetize your closet. Just like how everyone on Airbnb is monetizing their rooms, their extra houses, right? We, Mm -hmm. we now have an app launching in October, which is now something I can talk about because it was um, an app in the making for almost 16 months. Okay. But I couldn't talk about it until it was close (laughs) to launch. So I'm so excited that our app is launching in October this year um, because it, really houses all three companies in one and just the features and the the thought that we put into this app to make our clients life easier is i i just can't wait to see it i just can't wait for our clients to use it um yeah so those are those are some of the obstacles right it's it's always changing and adapting and if you don't um you you should be worried as a business
0: did you ever have any problems with scaling as well too.
1: Um not necessarily because we saw 300% kind of growth to, um uh, in the first year and then 50% and then 60% and then um 100%. We we essentially almost doubled average every year. Um so scaling was um in the first five years was not necessarily difficult for us because I did adapt and I did change. Right. But what, what is also really difficult is when you scale like this um, upwards on an incline, you will realize there's going to be a point you're going to plateau because you have to restructure internally. When you restructure Mm. internally is because you're setting up yourself the company for the next rocket launch you cannot constantly do this um and go up in um an incline consistently without having and this was something that i had to come to realization with it was i was so disappointed with when last year we only grew by 35 percent, and it was because i was training a staff of 10 which i've never done before and i had to work in the business like internally um, before mm-hmm. we can work externally. And now we are, um, on track to double sales again for the next, for the next year. Right. <laughs> but it's because we yeah. kind of did this mountain climb plateau where you have to rest a little bit, right? Like it's just like yeah. working out when you're, mm-hmm. you're doing your reps, you, you need that little bit to rest and, and recover a little bit before you take off again. And you, and that's something that, um, we kind of struggled with is, is, um, restructuring internally.
0: When, you, when you're when saying like this, oh, it only grew 35%. I mean, that feels like a lot already. Just just 35, yeah. 35 <laughs> seems like a lot, you know? But, but, uh, <laughs>
1: but like for the last four years, we were doubling in sales average every year. So then when we got this, when I hired 10 people, I was like, what? We should be like doubling, tripling when we have 10 people, right? <laughs> if I was doing all this in the last four years by myself, imagine what we could do with 10 people. And to have 10 That's people true. on board... I was like, why did we only grow by 35%? And it was finding that out. It was, okay, if you can't even get a hold of your internal, you will not get a hang of your external, right? Um, and it was letting go of that lifestyle business. So there's lots of people who love lifestyle businesses where you focus on the max amount of profit. And that was great. Especially if you want a lifestyle business, focus on the max amount of profit. But when you're in a scaling business, all you care about is the max amount of sales revenue, right? Not mm-hmm. not essentially profit, because look at Uber. Uber's a billion dollar company, but they're running on a negative. They're mm-hmm. they they weren't profitable for how many years, right? And that's yeah. that's when you know you you have to let go of that lifestyle business and turn it into a scaling business.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow, that is super super informative that, uh, that you kind of realize that, that you like, okay, like we had to build internally before we could, you know, build externally. Cause I think some businesses, you know, would have that different mindset where they're like, you know, how come we're not growing? What's going on? And, and question other things where, you know, I think you realize it right off the bat, like, Hey, I need to set back, take time to train internally before we can Get yeah. ready to scale, right? So, so
1: to any business owners out there, don't be sad if you you catch yourself at a plateau. If that's your time to rest up, restructure, get your internal organs together, ready for the next <laughs> ta- uh, launch, right? So that was something that I, I, I discovered. So, yeah.
0: I actually had a question too regarding the your clientele. Mm-hmm. Would you say that like, And it's interesting because I was talking to a friend and I was telling them that I was going to be interviewing you tonight Uh and she's heard the company and she actually asked me to ask you this question.
1: Oh, okay. And she was like,
0: because like, yeah, because like in our mind, like Asians generally Mm -hmm. like to buy new, you know, Uh. like new bags and stuff like that. So I was actually wondering, is your clientele, what type of clientele do you have?
1: Uh, Believe it or not, um... Particularly for our business, sixty yeah. percent of my clientele are Asian, and I don't know if it's because <laughs> I don't know if it's because we have more of um, Asian content. So, like normally, mm-hmm. you'll kind of see me as kind of some some of the face in the videos and things like that. I'm not sure why, um, mm-hmm. but sixty percent of our clientele are actually Asian, and wow. um, the like twenty five to forty five, right? But of course, there are still we get a mix of a lot of clientele but a lot of our clientele yes is asian and i don't know if it's because i targeted asians i'm not sure mm-hmm. <laughs> it maybe mm-hmm. it started off stemmed off of word of mouth or friends that um yeah. you know started but yeah believe it or not i have um other consignment friends that own consignment businesses a majority of their clientele are caucasian and mm-hmm. it and it depends on what you kind of sell because we sell Hermes and Chanel, and um, we target a lot of Vancouver and Toronto. And Vancouver and mm-hmm. Toronto, they have a lot of Asians there that love Hermes Birkin yeah. bags and um, you know Chanel, right? So I'm not yeah. sure if that's just where we target it. Whereas my other consignment friend owns um, a consignment in London, Ontario, where he says mm-hmm. majority of the population there are Caucasian, right? So all, yeah. most of their clientele is Caucasian. So particularly our clientele is definitely um, 60%, I would say are Asian.
0: 60%, yeah. And I guess too, yeah. because like you're offering full authentication so they know they're buying mm-hmm. something that's that's real.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you probably like when you take the bags and you probably maybe before you sell them, you touch them up, you know, because mm-hmm. you already have the spa there as well. So they know they're getting a good, clean, yeah authentic product as well too so that makes sense you know Yeah,
1: people won't believe how much they actually save when they buy pre-owned in excellent condition opposed to brand new a majority of our clients actually profit so we even have a lot of consignments Uh, buying from us to resell because our prices are that good so for example a classic flap a classic jumbo flap would retail twelve thousand dollars in stores right now we have it available in excellent condition it's maybe um, a few years or five years older, but you can't tell because it's the same model, right? Um, yeah. Whereas cars, you can tell if it's a five-year-old car. Bags, some of them you can't even tell unless you look at the serial number. Um, so that classic flap, we would sell for around 8000 or $9,000. So imagine saving wow. four to $5,000 off that and then knowing you could later when you sell it down the road, you could either sell it for higher or you're most likely going to break even. Right. And that's the wonderful beauty of buying pre-owned in excellent condition. You can find amazing, amazing bags under retail price or you can find the extremely rare sold out um, bags or waitlisted Birkin bag and pay a premium for it. That's a great thing. Like some people don't want to play the Hermès game and and yeah. wait 2-3 years for their Birkin bag and and spend $20,000 at Hermès to get offered a Birkin that might not even be the exact combination they were asking for, right? Whereas they're like, "Hey, we have the money. We want to get it from a reputable reseller or consignment and they don't mind paying top top dollar for it." Right? Like yeah, we uh, recently but... had a um Hermès Himalayan Birkin that was that went for $160,000. And when we posted it for the one day, it sold within two hours because that client was like, I have been looking for this everywhere. I could not find, she could not get offered it. She said she spent over um, $400,000 at Hermes, never got offered it. And she's been looking for this on the resale market for a good, decent price, not 300,000. And when it popped up on our website, we've only gotten that bag twice. They, it sold twice, but that one, $160,000 one, it sold within a day. And it was because wow. this client was like, wow. I have been waiting for this bag. And you know what? It's even more crazy. A year later, we had clients su- submitting their wish list form. They are looking for that exact Hermes Himalayan Birkin. They're willing to pay two hundred and twenty thousand dollars for it, because we wow. have a wish list option. So I reached out to that client that purchased that one hundred sixty thousand dollar Hermes Himalayan Birkin from us, and I asked them, "Hi, how you know how is your Hermes Birkin um, Himalayan doing? <laughs> Would you like to sell it?" right? Because this mm-hmm. is kind of the relationship we built amongst our clients. And because yeah. if you want to sell it, we could sell it for $220,000. Would you like to buy? She would make an instant $50,000, even minus, um actually minus our commission, she would make $40,000, right? Wow. So yeah. we told her that and she said, no way, I'm not selling it because <laughs> I know in five years, it's going to be worth even more. <laughs> I was like, okay, so I'm really trying to find this bag to source for this client because this client had a really um, big budget. It was a very reasonable budget that we could source out, and we couldn't even find the bag again for her.
2: Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. Mm -hmm. I am, my mind is like blowing right now. Yeah, most people would sell
1: that bag and make that 40,000, right? (laughs)
2: I just yeah, didn't know I
1: that the bag yeah. could go
0: for that much. Yeah. <laughs> That's 100, yeah. just that. Like, Wait, how much did that does that bag retail for
1: again? So it only retails for like eighty, um around $80,000, $85,000 in stores. But you have to have a huge spending profile. They're only offered to the VVIPs. So you probably wow. have to spend over half a million in Hermes. Um And probably been shopping for them for like I don't know how many years, right? They won't offer you an exotic unless you buy some of their jewelry for twenty thousand dollars. Things that the the sales associate will make a lot of commission on because they sales associate at NMS don't make commission on the Birkin bags or the Kelly bags, the quota bags.
2: That is just crazy. That's it's like it reminds me of like. You know, like Ferrari or something where, yeah. you, like, there's certain models where you literally have to have owned like a few different yeah. Ferraris before you can get that model, right? It's yeah. like crazy. It's just like
1: a Rolex, too.
2: Or Rolex, yeah. Yeah.
1: Amazing. That's Airbus for you. Mm-hmm.
0: Does the. Do you do you those also do men's?
2: <laughs> you know what's
1: you know what's I love that you brought that up because you know what's crazy is we are getting into the men's market. We are um, looking to get into the watch market for men. Oh. Um, so that's coming soon. Um, oh, it's see. not an overnight thing because of course, perfecting the authentication for watch, um, watches, of course, that is a huge, huge step that we have to make sure we have solidified before we launch that, right? We are, we're not going to be sloppy about it and just be and start collect, uh, accepting all these watches. Like we do accept some watches now because we do work with a watch specialist that will open up and authenticate watches. But right now, mm-hmm. if they're not working internally for the company, um, full-time, long, um, long-term and in-house, it's something that we can't necessarily like start promoting, right? Like mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. Could, if we start promoting, we could get, you know, 50 watches in, but can we handle that manpower? No. So right. that's why we're working on perfecting, getting a uh, watch specialist, watch authenticator, the appraisal, right. And things like that.
0: I can't wait for that because uh, I I happen to really love watches actually. (laughs) Well, let me
1: ask you this. Would you ever buy, would you ever Mm. buy pre-owned like men's stuff? Like would you buy pre-owned men's duffel bags, backpacks or things like that? Because we, I think, I don't know if men would
0: uh i i don't know about i've never looked at the pre-owned like duffel bags or any like clothing like mm-hmm. that but i have looked into pre-owned watches
1: yeah but watches like is because it's like a collector's thing right but i don't Gosh. know about like the bag section or shoes or like accessories like sunglasses
2: yeah. or things like that i think yeah. shoes there's a big market for shoes right like i've seen knew. like like new, or like some of the runners that that cut like that are like um, you know uh, collectibles, right? Like they only make a few; mm-hmm. they're like mm-hmm. worth like you know thousands of dollars, right? Because and you're mm-hmm. like what, depending on what kind of conditions they are, right? But there's a, there's a huge market for that for sure, and for sure, like watches as well. Not sure about like bags per se, because mm-hmm. I don't know how, how. Like I I guess that would might be a pretty niche market, but. Uh, watches and yeah. shoes, hundred percent. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah for sure. I, I definitely like, agree with watches, and and we're excited to get um into that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm excited awesome.
1: too.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let me let me
2: know when that starts, though. Yeah,
1: it's gonna. I don't know if you want to start because your wallet is gonna hate you. <laughs>
2: oh, man. it's an addiction, oh, yeah. eh?
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah. what what yes. our clients will love is the layaway we offer. Okay, don't forget. You can put things on layaway because a lot Uh, of our clients, a lot of our clients utilize our layaway plans. And it's so like you can't go into Chanel or Hermes and be like, hey, can I put this on layaway with a 30% down? No, they'll laugh at you and they'll kick you out. Okay, (laughs) but (laughs) we make luxury affordable and accessible. So what we do is if you need two months to pay it off, you don't need to go through a credit check, put 30% Mm -hmm. deposit down. The item is reserved for you. It's essentially sold to you and when you pay it off then you get your item right our clients love the service that we offer so mm-hmm. we're going to be wow. we're going to be extending that
2: that that is amazing. yeah that sounds like a good uh proposition you know like do, do will you go in the future like actually going into even possibly like you know like cars and stuff like doing loans for certain items and stuff like that
1: no, I don't think cars is in our repertoire, <laughs> but um, we definitely are also looking into getting into fintech. So um, offering Ooh. a better um, finan- uh, fin- financing solution um, when it comes to luxury. There's not really a, a big um, a player that I know of that offers financing when it comes to just higher end goods. Um, yeah. Not that I know of. If you guys know of it, please let us know. No, so that no, no. Them, I, that's right? that
2: was actually my question. Was w- would you be offering like financing, like yeah. like vehicles, right, like yes. cars? Oh, yeah. yeah. So
1: like we're not going to sell cars, but yes. The no, offer no, yeah. That financing, um, a hundred percent. That's actually in our um three year plan. Um, is to mm-hmm. get into financing, and yeah, if it can come earlier, you guys will hear about yeah. it. You'll be the first
2: to know, man. uh, That I think that's incredible because, like you know, like a lot of people, like even for like in the high end, like car side, right? Like it's like, well, I can't pay like five hundred thousand dollars for like a Ferrari, but. I could possibly make the monthly payments for it, right? You know, so it makes sense. And they
1: get it first, right? They get the item first, which is Mm -hmm. what our clients love. It's that instant gratification. So yes, of course, if our clients say they want that, um, that's something that we do is we listen to our clients' needs and we find a way to innovate that and implement that. Um, Yeah.
2: All right. Sweet. I got one last question. I guess uh, just what are you working on now? Is there any? I know we, you already dropped some some very uh, relevant stuff. Like you yeah, got the app yeah. coming out. Uh, what are you working on now?
1: We are working on a Toronto showroom as well as a U.S. head um, head office for the U.S. clients. We have a Ooh. lot of high profile influencers, celebrities waiting for bag rental to be in the US, oh, yeah. uh, particularly Beverly Hills, LA. <laughs> so um, we are definitely working on opening an office in LA. So if any US clients are listening to this, we can't wait um, to to be in, in the US. Like we have US clients right now, but we know that um, there's logistic um, issues when it comes to buying high-end stuff And crossing it over the border, right? Mm -hmm. So opening Mm -hmm. that U.S. head office is is definitely going to make it much more convenient for our clients in the U.S.
2: Sweet. Well, we're definitely looking forward to that. Um, I think it's time to wrap up, but um, thank you, uh, Tammy, for coming on to the show. Definitely learned a ton of things. I oh, think yeah. you got a lot on the go. Yeah. It is phenomenal. I'm so happy to see where you're at now. And and definitely keep us posted because we're definitely interested to see. We're yes. definitely going to be following you on Instagram and TikTok. You're on TikTok now. Uh, maybe give a shout out uh, what your TikTok and your Instagram handles are.
1: Yeah, you can follow us on TikTok at ShopLuxDeJour. So S H O P L U X E D U J O. You are, and then our Instagram is Lux jour Lux Bag Rental, and Lux Bag Spot. You can find all three companies on Instagram.
0: (laughs) Awesome, awesome, yeah. Thanks, thanks again, Tammy. It was a pleasure having having you on to our show. I I personally also learned. I learned a lot as well as <laughs> too. Uh, especially now, I'm gonna be more wary now when I walk into a
1: yeah. store, uh, regular <laughs>
0: store now. Now I'm gonna have to do double takes. I don't even know why. Yeah. But uh, now you put the you put the fear in me now. So oh no, no that's, that's not my
1: intention.
0: It, it's 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 okay because it's yeah. it's real life and it's happening right. So yeah. it might as well be knowledgeable or have knowledge of it happening and and be wary of it. So yes, thank you again and to our listeners out there, come walk with us again.